Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Recorded live. If you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, that's because you're either listening live or you happen to be in the chat room. Either of which uh, is great, but if you're not, then wait on a few more hours and we'll have an edited version of this podcast all ready for you. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast, we talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed episode 265 is recorded live sometime in December, December 3rd, 2015. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson coming to you from the southwest side of the state of Michigan where I think we are actually beginning to resemble our season. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well, thank you. Glad to be here. And uh, you have been a, a world traveler recently, or at least getting out. And so, how was Florida? Well, if I could convince the wife <laughs> <laughs> and some and find some way to reduce the humidity for her, uh, I could uh, tolerate living out there on uh, Siesta Key. That, that's a very nice, nice place. Oh, so you went down to the Keys. Well, Siesta Key is the uh, place that we were at. It's off uh, Tampa, St. Pete. Oh, okay. South of that. So, so where if you're going to pick a spot in Florida, where would you like to be? That'll look pretty nice right there. That's in the same area that uh, Dave is. Dave oh, okay. Hawk, yeah. One of our uh, ex-divers, not ex-divers, because he's diving <laughs> down there. And uh, we did communicate down there. He did have a dive, but I was unavailable that day he went out. So that's a Tampa side. Now that's uh, let's see what, what's that's Gulf side, isn't it? Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, yeah, that's not too bad a place. I got I got uh, family and friends just a little north of there. Yeah, they generally when they do have hurricanes and stuff don't normally get whopped because it normally goes up and hits anywhere from Texas up to Pensacola. Mm-hmm. And no curves on in there sort of misses them or it comes to the tail end uh, and misses them. So if you had to look at a place like that, well, that's not a bad place. Or do you also, just, or do you you just build a place on stilts and make a concrete bunker? Well, uh, I I have got a lot of photos. I'll be putting them on my, on my site, but uh, one's going to be titled Homes I Can't Afford <laughs> or Homes I'll Never Live In, and they're outstanding. The code out there for building new houses is you can definitely tell them when they're building them because they're all freaking concrete and the bottom floor cannot be basically anything where the water is going to get into. So the really good living area is going to be upstairs, which makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting. The tide out there is only like a two-foot level, high to low, 
And the reason when hurricanes come through there, since it's a smaller surface area for the air and wind to go through, your um, surge is not as high up there. In Tampa, St. Pete area. Yeah, you're, you're not. Go all the way up. Mm -hmm. So that helps mitigate some of the issues. But you still have flooding because that place is freaking flat. Yeah, there's, you're, you're right there. You're in the midst of it. Yeah. Well, heavy rain in the, in the streets are a wash. Yeah. But then again, it's nice and warm. Well, if, if you're mobile and you can get in and out and you don't have to be there when it's, it gets bad, that's a, a good option as well. Well, for me, a shorty, you know, by shorty, I'm just talking the vest and a hood. Yeah. And I can dive in that. Love it. Oh. Well, you could dive in. There's nothing saying you have to wear a full wetsuit or dry suit up here. Let me rephrase that. I dove tonight and uh, ain't going to happen the other way. <laughs> You're not going to go in a shorty? Nah. Nah. What I had was, was just about all right tonight. Well, let's go ahead and uh, get into the news. First one up is we have diving incidents are up in 2015, but fatalities are the lowest in 20 years. This is uh, out of Scuba News out of the UK. The British Subaquatic Club has published its annual diving incident report for 2015. They said this year's records show 226 incidents, which are up 10 over last year. Our fatalities are the lowest in 20 years. The BSAC has monitored and reported on diving incidents in 1964. The report contains details of diving incidents in British waters involving divers of all affiliations, nationalities, and incidents occurring worldwide involving BSAC members. Some key features of the report include uh, the lowest figure for UK fatalities in 20 years, a trend or correlation between age and medical conditions being a factor continues, incidents of decompression illness continue to fall, there was an unusual pattern of reported incidents in spring and early summer. Brian Cummings, the BSAC Diving Incidents Advisor, commented, most of the incidents reported within this document could have been avoided had those involved followed a few basic principles of safe diving practice. He hopes divers will learn from others' mistakes. They have the courage and generosity to record their experience for publication. The least we can do is use it to avoid a similar problem. Now, they didn't say how many actually died. They just said it was the lowest. Correct. And at least if you look at them, you're, you're going to be able to go and get their report and look it over. Mm -hmm. But what do we have here in the States? Now, I know Dan is very good, but I was just Googling Dan just to find out you know, 2015 fatalities or whatever. Other than Dan, who reports that stuff around here for Americans? I think it's only Dan. I don't think any of the agents, I mean, the agencies may keep track, but uh, for stuff involving their instructors, and I would say that would be mostly because they're insuring them. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's anything publicized. There's no government agency that's responsible for it. Of course, now that we have this wonderful healthcare system where in the, was it IDC coding practices, uh, there should be all sorts of that information being collected. Yeah, it might be worth the look at. I know with Dan, if you go read it, 
and under diving instances, you'll find case summaries, which is great individually. Uh, insights, meaning incident insights. It'll talk about you should report a diving incident about near misses, injuries, or whatever that you've either witnessed or experienced. And then it talks about investigation and prevention. Those are all really excellent items to look at if you've never done. Mm -hmm. But again, as a, as a total summary, I have not seen one. Uh, it's probably out there, and I just don't remember why I've read it before. But I think uh, the BASAC, the, the UK, does an excellent job. Yeah, they're, they're a nice organization when it comes to just to stall around. I'd well, like their to... standards are the same for everybody, just basically. You remember that? You've fallen under their umbrella. Mm -hmm. We have so many different varieties, you know, yeah. of accrediting organizations. I, you know, you don't want to say you're, you don't want to broadcast what your caddy stuff is versus Maui versus, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Instead of just being the overall without saying the certification, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Well, then we have a 10,000 pound award for a woman injured by negligence of a scuba diving school. And uh, this is a case study surprise gift to scuba diving course from her partner almost turned into a tragedy. And that's for the client. Uh, they said their client had to undergo emergency decompression treatment as a consequences of a diving schools and diving instructors negligence. She was a novice diver with limited experience gained when she was on Egypt in 2006. She jumped to the chance to get more experience from a four day scuba diving course by a Patty registered firm. The Patty open water course she enrolled in consisted of a written theory to test understanding basic principles of diving, some confined water and an open water. Uh, after the written theory module, the confined diving event took place at an indoor swimming pool and everything seemed to be going well. The third and final open water dive module was to take place in the National Dive Center, Stony Cove, near, uh, near Lincolnshire. And there was a few things started to go wrong. Instructor had forgotten to take the client's equipment to the National Dive Center. So on the first day, she had to make do with a kit that was cobbled together using borrowed items taken from spare boxes. Scuba divers in British water are a hardy bunch. Uh, the diver was given a five millimeter neoprene wetsuit, which they're saying is fine in places like the Red Sea, but a little thinner than recommended for open water diving in the UK. Despite the lack of thermal protection and being bitterly cold in the thinner wetsuit, she was expected to complete the three dives on the first day. Dives one and two were to a depth of six meters. Three was down to 13 meters. A senior associate specializing in personal injury who handled the case commented, uh, this is not a good start and complete conversation and uh, complete contravention of Patty's own guidelines to avoid decompression sickness, which states that the depth limit for training dives should be 12 meters, and when conducting several dives, the deepest should be done first with all sequential dives should be shallower. The following day, our client was handicapped by having the incorrect weights on her weight belt that hadn't been spotted as no buoyancy test was conducted out before a dive, again, contrary to Patty guidelines, she struggled to descend and remained at depths while submerged. She was given a boulder to hold on to while the instructor returned to the surface to get more lead weights. Additional weights were mistakenly placed twice in her buoyancy control device, which meant 
She was now in balance. She and her dive buddy returned to the surface, carrying out a normal ascent, and after a few minutes, the instructor signaled group they should dive again. Due to the extra weight, she now carried our client tank like a stone, descending rapidly, leaving the rest of the group behind. The instructor retrieved to catch up with her at a depth around five meters, immediately pulled her to surface without stopping to allow her client to equalize during the ascent. Upon reaching the surface, our client told the instructor she felt disoriented and experienced a spinning sensation. She was advised to lay horizontally in the surface of water to recuperate while she did around eight minutes. She then completed the final dive to a depth of six meters. Afterwards, uh, the diver told the instructor she had a severe earache, gave her tiger balm and advised her to put a sock of salt in her ear to draw out any water. She got home, the pain in the ear was excruciating. She felt very unwell. She tried the salty sock remedy, but eventually had to get herself to a hospital diagnosed the perforated eardrum. Later the same evening, she developed a weird red-orange tint on her skin together with a reddish Welsh. She called the diving screw, described her symptoms, and advised her to contact the London Dive Chamber. She told the LDC her story, and they insisted she get to them without delay to undergo emergency decompression treatment. Chamber the the journey to the chamber took an hour. By the time she got there, she was unable to walk straight. It was slurring her speech. She remained in decompression chamber for six hours. Needed three further decompression treatments. So that was uh, then. So ten thousand dollars for pounds. Can you say cascade of errors? Can you say accident link chains? Links. How many of them could have been? A real, real issue. None of those on their own should have been, but they had, I mean, they won their case. And part of it is that, you know, Patty has their guidelines, as does NAWI and SSI. They all have what they're supposed to do. And when you go against them, you basically take the risk. Even if, as a diver, you go, oh, that's fine, that's okay, that should be okay. But for one thing, it was unprofessional. I mean, just everything. Uh, even if she did, was not injured, this is, that's not the way you do a course. You, know, kind of, you, you want somebody to be a lifelong diver, and you're not giving them a lot of confidence when they, they do this now. Of course, being attorneys, they're going to string the situation together to make their side of the case. So you could make a case that cobbling together the dive equipment actually was fine as long as everything was good. Correct. Uh, now, the, not having the proper weights, I mean, the holding on to the stone, I mean, that, that's when I really started saying, what? When would you as an instructor ever leave somebody in the bottom by themselves Will you go up to get away? Now, a lot would depend on the depth and stuff like that, but normally not where I went, I'd take the student with me. Yeah, you can't anything can happen unless they're not telling us there's another instructor. If there's another instructor down there, that'd be fine. They could watch them, even a dive master. But to just leave a student on their own in the bottom, will you go up and get some weights? And really what it sounds like, I'm kind of surprised that she ended up with decompression because it doesn't seem like they don't talk about time. Right. But they really don't seem to be at depths. You'd have had to have been down there a long time. I would have thought so. What would got me though is, if I'm freezing bitterly cold, I'm not going to be diving. I would have said, I don't think so today. Yeah. And 
five, you know, five miller, millimeter neoprene. I wonder what is normal. And if she was that cold, why did she continue? Seriously. But as an instructor, I would not have, you know, subjected my students to something like that. Yeah. If you're cold, you're you're more susceptible to deco to decompression illness. Yeah. You know, stress will do it. Cold will do it. Obviously, here she had a little bit of stress and cold. Well, the, the ear thing, at that point, she should have just called it. Because yeah. uh, that, I've had similar experiences in the shallow diving where it's, it's a little bit more of a challenge to adjust. Uh, so 10,000 pounds. Hopefully yeah. she, she stayed diving. I don't know if she did. They don't say. It's interesting that it took so long to resolve this in court. Since that was 2006 and we're 2015. Yeah. Makes you wonder what happened in the interim. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not familiar enough with the, the British legal system to know how timely cases get handled. Well, it also sounds like this was put out by the solicitors to uh, get more business. Yeah, if you've had a similar situation, call us. I won't say ambulance chaser, but... No, the, the dive truck chaser. Uh, interesting, though. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, I've got... Uh, I'm up for jury duty this next week. Well, excellent. <laughs> Which I actually like jury duty. I think it's interesting. You can't tell work that because then they'll think that you're trying to get on it. I've, I've been called three different times. And generally, the guy pleads guilty just before we get sequestered oh. or whatever. Oh, so you've actually sat on a jury three different times. I've been selected and sat there, and just as he's explaining everything, the guy, the guy's lawyer said, okay, nah, we, we, we're done. <laughs> yeah, we're done. Yeah, I've, I've, had, I've had jury duty probably four times. The first time was federal. It was a the federal case they were doing – there are eight simultaneous defendants with individual lawyers being tried at the same time, and they pulled a pool of they had a, they they could have sat seven juries with as many people as they put in, and about halfway through the selection they said, oh by the way, is a sequestered twelve week trial going to cause any hardship? And everybody's <laughs> and everybody's hands went up, and he goes, yeah, I figured that. Yeah, you got to work. Yeah. And they, I actually got in the chair, and they asked me, and my wife worked for the USDA at the time, so I think that may have gotten me out. So I was dismissed. I didn't have to do that one. Uh, I've sat on a local case, and that one went long. We went through the whole trial, and then at the end of the, the trial, we found him guilty, and he goes, and, and, and at one point in time, we were in the deliberating room, and it was about 4.30, and they're like, are you guys going to be able to decide, or do you need to come back tomorrow? Like, no, no, no. We're we'll have, we're going to decide here real soon. And then after we decided, it was about five o'clock, and they made us go back in the jury room, and we're like, okay, what what's this mean? And there was another case. It was like if he had was found guilty on this, then they were going to have a sit on another case with the same defendant, and they were negotiating, and uh, he pled guilty to that, so we didn't have to come back for a second or third day. I didn't know they could continue you over for another case. Yeah, they, they, the judge, as he worded it, said, since you had 
heard everything already and that the verdict of this case would be uh, in scope for the next case, it just made sense for you to also be the jury for that one. Yeah. That, that sounds prejudicial, doesn't it? You're using the history that is not presented of this new, you know, you just went through, found him guilty, blah, blah, blah. And now you're going to listen to the another similar case by the old man, by the same person. Wouldn't you be considered prejudicial already since you found him guilty of one of I them? would have to think that they knew that and that had to have been the, I mean, it had to have been agreed on it at advance or something, but it, it didn't come because his uh, he pled guilty to the other whatever it was. They didn't tell us what it was. They just they just kind of explained it as courtesy to us because it's like okay, well you guys can go, but here's what was going on why we pulled you back in. But it was a grand theft auto, and it was actually a pretty stupid case when you when you're like when you when you hear all the details and facts about it. It's just young people doing stupid things. Uh, Red granite quarry char, uh, changed when scuba divers came. This is a letter to the editor out of the uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, Northwestern. Uh, it's by uh, a local person. We'll call him Brian. He said, I grew up in Red Granite. I lived there for 35 years, started swimming in the quarry when I was 12. I am now 65, still swim at the quarry every summer when I visit my mother. Looking back, everything changed at quarry when scuba divers started coming to the quarry. More and more people started to come to the quarry each year. The quarry became a dump site. Many of those who came from the surrounding cities left their trash behind, more permanently left their signatures on spray paint on the granite rocks. There's no respect for the quarry. I've seen people throwing trash in the ground rather than walk 10 feet to the trash barrel. For those who come from Oshkosh, Appleton, Fundalock, Milwaukee, etc. Go to the community pools and lakes and take your trash and spray paint so you can deface your own local areas. Leave red granite to red granite. Your suggestion a recent newspaper editorials are unrealistic. Maybe there should be an unrealistic commission fee to pay for all the lifeguards, boating equipment, and extra law enforcement you want. Then maybe you'll still have stiffer penalties for intoxication and legal drug use. There will always be accidents. There will always be those who choose to make poor decisions on any given day. Closing the quarry will not change that. Find a different cause. I want to continue to swim in Red Granite Quarry. Those damn divers. Do it again. Ruin everything. I will tell you that. I went ahead and looked that up and looked at the pictures. Freaking awesome. (laughs) And if you look at the quarry, and I'm looking at a picture now, Mm-hmm. The people who are there ain't divers, people. I mean, don't don't talk about the divers. I am looking at it, wall-to-wall people on the cliffs. Right. I see no. kayaks, boats, and floats. So if you're talking about people not putting stuff in the trash, I don't think it's the divers, people. Well, and that's the thing is, was why do the divers get picked on? Uh, I've well, not seen in the... Above the Mason-Dixon line, other than a quarry which is nearly exclusively dive training, where do you see a congregation of divers more than 10? Yeah, I, I just sent you a, um, a link. Check on that one and see if that's the same picture so you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, let me... 
take a look at this, see if there's anything. If you do, it'll come up red granite quarry, Wisconsin, image results. And it's the, uh, of that series of seven pictures, it's the one on the bottom left. And then click on that, and it's like, I just did that and then enhanced it, and uh, I am not seeing a lot of divers. Not to mention the access of the cliffs, where all these people are. You're not going to put gear on and jump off the cliff and no. not ever climb up the cliffs. So I'm curious about that. Well, divers, we don't have time to go and grab a spray paint can and deface something. Divers have a significant amount of money invested in their gear and time. And that's not part of it is defacing. Not saying there's never been a diver is defaced, but the, the, all these photos, I, in fact, I'm, I'm looked on both your links and the ones on the others. I don't see anybody showing any scuba divers. Well, I'm looking up, it's called Red Granite Quarry Park. So then the access aspect is not just a round quarry that limited people go to. And it's like rock faces from five to 30 feet, depending on the water level, cliff jumping, blah, blah, blah. So I'm curious about the, the, the review that you gave. I'm looking, um, I did, a, I was able to find uh, some that are with scuba divers. There's spread granite quarry cleanup. Looks like they're doing a project aware dive. And that does have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine divers in the water. But it, it would look similar to if you or I or the mud club is diving. Now you've got gear scattered near an entry point with a bunch of divers going in. But did you take? Did you find the picture I was talking about? Was that the one where the people are jumping off the off the cliffs? But you can see all around that angle is just. Hundreds of people. Yeah, it's it's a it was it was a park and and and, and that's not an area divers are going to be at. No. So I'm I'm a little suspect of his comments of divers, but we weren't there. Yeah. But the park sure looks nice. That is beautiful. It makes me want to go now. Thanks for the invite, guy. <laughs> we'll come visit you. But if you're a diver, I mean, that's you're always an ambassador for diving, because everybody always remembers a diver. You could have a crowd of 200 people and one guy in scuba gear, and everybody will be talking about they saw a guy scuba diving. Well, that's why when they, we wear our colors, I'm hoping all our club members are always acting civil. I'm picturing our club as that would be the case. I can't think of anybody. Who wouldn't well, be? Most of our people are over 52, though. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I think so. Let's see, what's the next one? Now, now I've got to get that dig down to my. Okay, don't don't worry about the names. Paraphrase the names because I looked at that and it looked like the freaking alphabet. But, You're talking about citizens demand scuba diving. Yes. Item. Yeah. Those words, you're not going to have any luck with it. I know I sure as I can't. Okay, so let's. This is on the <laughs> website. I don't know. Is it New York? Ooh, 
So this is the Jagdish the Jagdis Chandra those guards and Paul and demanded that is not New York. <laughs> I could tell no, it's not New York. Oh uh Hindi. Uh it must be India. Let's see. It said, on Wednesday, visitors were enthralled to watch a live demonstration of a scuba diver cleaning giant tanks in the aquarium. A businessman visiting aquarium said, aquarium changes, oh, charges entry fees of RS50 per person. We have hired a agency to clean the 30-foot tank, and this adds to the attraction for visitors, says the head of the PAL Aquarium. He's asked about the demand from visitors on scuba diving. He says, it's a good suggestion, but we need at least 70 to 80 feet deep pool for scuba diving. Now, I would like that. That would be awesome. But where have you ever seen a pool 70 to 80 feet deep? I, there are some, but I, I'm going to say that there's less than five in the world. Yeah, and I don't think they were built just to scuba dive, though, were they? No, there's all, the, I know of... Uh, there's two in Europe that are over 100 feet deep uh, that are for scuba diving. That are for scuba diving and free diving. Uh, but the rest of the pools I can think of are all for other purposes. Yeah, and, and as you said a minute ago, this is I'm looking at the same article from the Times of India in uh, the city of Surat, mm-hmm. and that's where the PAL Aquarium appears to be. It said, uh, I, I don't have to pronounce any weird names or anything. No, no. It says, apart from the aquarium, there are no other attractions for us. We have suggested that officials include scuba diving as well as musical fountains to attract visitors. Musical fountains. Yeah. It's, okay. I'm all for it. I'm, I'm trying to, was it a slow news day, I guess? Well, visitors' demand is what got me going. Well, that's what I thought. I thought that some big outcry of no diving spots, that it just sounds like people suggesting something. Well, it is interesting. If you've been to aquariums and you watch the diver, mm-hmm. it's, it is fun to watch them, especially if they come up and interface with the people and then feed the fish in front of them. That is interesting. Well, I think it's – I like watching divers. Uh Shed's Aquarium here in Chicago. They have divers in there quite a bit. Yep. And they usually have a full face mask on, and we'll talk about what they're doing. And I think it, it just adds an interesting twist to people who are visiting. Next one is from the International Business Times. Navy divers seal a sunken ship. sunken vessel has become an explosive trove for the mafia, and it's been sealed shut by Italian authorities. The Italian freighter Laura Kushulich was torpedoed by British submarine HMS Upholder in 1941 as it traveled towards Libya. Its wreckage is essentially in the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea, 50 meters underwater off the Calabrian coast near Capo d'Armi, a southwestern tip 
of the Italian peninsula, according to official documents, the ship that had set sail from Venice was carrying an innocuous good, including fabric, spirits, machine tools, and went down. Well, after the sunken hall was located in 1970, it discovered that 1,500 tons of TNT and other military supplies for fascist troops in northern Africa were hidden among the cargo. The finding didn't go unnoticed by local militia syndicates, Uh, including a cartel that has become the largest drug cartel in Europe. Throughout the 1990s and 2000s, explosives were often seized by anti-mafia police targeting the Calabrian clan, suggesting mafia divers have been retrieving large quantities of TNT from the wreckage. The ship became infamously known as the Mob's Underwater Explosives Depot. As recently as February 2015, eight people were jailed for trafficking nitroglycerin from the freighter with anti-militia cargo, uh, anti-mafia prosecutors describing it as the bomb supermarket. Would you be handling nitro TNT that's 50 years old? Well, underwater, where it's not wet, and I'm not going to do anything really stupid like hit it with a bang stick, you could probably do something with it. That would that would dry up pretty quick once you got it to the surface. I'd, I'd be careful once I got it to the surface. Yeah. Wow. I just looked at another one uh, on the same items on the same item. It's called uh, uh, Italian Navy divers seal off underwater used as mafia's bomb supermarket, just like you said. This one had some interesting pictures, and it basically went through the same scenario here. Does that one have a video with it, too? No. So the one you've got has a video? Yeah, I, I'm going to get it, but I'm just starting to look at the video. I turned the audio out. Uh, the wreck is a mess. So, Would you just blow it up? If you got it's the... Well, it's interesting. <laughs> I'm thinking that if you had... I think if you had all that TNT, it would just make more sense to to blow it up than to seal it off. Well, I'm just trying to figure out that because that ship is all fire. Take a look at the video, and then you see what I'm talking about. The growth on the hull, and that, they, I mean, after being sunk so long, it looks like bones, a lot of penetration areas. Anyway, sent that to me. a look at it. I'm, I'm seeing it where they, the torch he's got. And none of them knew what's that there. I, I thought they say what? In that first picture. The cutting torch he's got? I don't see it. I see a guy with a ruler. Well, I was bright it was that that's what it was. Yeah, I don't I don't think I I, I see the picture. I don't I don't I'm not gonna go in the video. I'll kill the uh uh-huh. band with the video. Oh no, I, the video shows that one picture that's a light reflecting off of the tape measure. Oh, that's not a welding torch. Okay. Came across that picture with him. Still interesting. It is. But that's 
that's 150 feet underwater. I mean, yeah, but you're going to have to be looking for some stuff really quick. Yeah, but if you know what you're doing and you're properly motivated, I'm sure a few people would have grabbed some stuff off there. Well, when you get a chance, take a look at it. It's, it's, I'm not sure how you would know where to go look. Yeah. Well, that said what? The Navy's took 67 hours of working underwater, spread over a dozen to 50-minute dives to seal off the cargo. That makes sense. That's a lot of time. Well, you don't get a whole bunch of time in the bottom. No. And if you're looking for stuff, unless you know exactly where it is, I don't know how you're going to really find a lot of good stuff. It wouldn't be. Uh, a derby woman is to take part. This girl can scuba dive in Nickelover. The mum of two has found a new lease in live after dropping two dresses in part in a mass scuba dive as part of this girl can campaign to get more women active. The British Hot Club has set up a challenge to get 100 women to try diving all in the same day in Lonsdale Swimming Pool in Nickelover. Laura Rossi, 50 from Derby, is among those who have signed up for the challenge. Laura has taken a self-defense class, taken parts in high-flying trapeze swimming, and retrained as a scuba as a yoga instructor since losing one and a half stones. Laura lost weight in a bid to get fitter and approach of her 50th birthday after having to go snorkeling on a holiday prepared to trap tackle the women's only this girl can dive. It appeals to me and is definitely on my bucket list. In fact, it's girls only event also appeals, I suppose, although I don't get hung up on gender issues. Well, more power to her if this is part of the uh, way she is helping herself and other women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get out there and do some diving. We need some more divers. And we have a good. I think find some pictures before and after. Oh, of her. Yeah. I, I'm picturing that she didn't really publish any befores. The the picture of her doing the yoga pose. Now, of course, I'm, I don't know what's one and a half stone. I don't know. She looks pretty good in that shot. I'll tell you yeah. that. I'm going to say a stone has to be like 30 pounds or something. Not a clue. Yeah, we got the we got the great big book of everything here on the on the internet. So let's search stones to pounds. So how many stone did they say? One one stone? One and a half. One point five stone equals come on. I entered a number. I I've got it if you if you want to know the answer. Go for it. Twenty one pounds. That's not bad. No. I mean you know, congrats for her because it must have been she must have been about set, but you know, I I think I, I think I if I shave my beard and cut my hair, I think that's about four. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, not that I wouldn't love to lose twenty one pounds, and I need to lose much more than that, but uh, it's not a lot. But I guess depending on who you are, that could be huge. And 
that makes you feel better about yourself then? Well, like you said, anyone, well, most of us could lose 21 pounds and feel a hell of a lot better. Certainly. We have a gazebo firm that is supporting scuba diving charity. The Rotterdam-based Gala Tent has donated a marquee carport to scuba diving for all to be used as fundraising. After the charity recently used a new marquee at Pinkerton Steam Rally selling books and antiques under it to raise 900 pounds for the cause. Established in 2002, Scuba Diving for All provides free and subsidized diving tuition to disabled people. It aims to help them improve their competence, develop social skills, and feel more independent. Physically disabled people are able to enjoy more freedom than they can get on land, making the experience fun and therapeutic. that's That's a good cause. Absolutely. And then I didn't realize this, but they're saying that the Maryland State Troopers double as scuba diving volunteers. State Police Underwater Recovery Team gets a call for evidence. Our recovery is predominantly evidence or cadaver recoveries. Chris Dalvala, a trooper with the underwater recovery team for training. It's a search for a toy rifle for us, zero visibility no matter what we do. We like to refer to ourselves as seeing eye dogs underwater because everything is done by feel. So all done by volunteers. That they have to volunteer to be on the team or while they're on the team, they're volunteering. I think there are officers who volunteer to double as a diver when they need them. Yeah, because I, I can't, you can't do your job and not be paid for it. Uh, overhead environments, we are we want to wear a helmet to protect the diver's head. Said Harry Lloyd, another trooper of the team in Chesapeake, it's usually black water most of the time. And while there's work in the water, sometimes the work is done under ice. Yeah, ice diving, it's pretty under there, but it's also very cool. You have to trust each other and only you and another diver on the bottom. Yeah, I guess it just struck me as a little odd and they said it was all volunteer, but I think you're right. It's They volunteer to be on the team, not that they're a volunteer. And, uh, right. Volunteering as they're on the team. At least you get the nice gear when you're going to dive like that. Yeah, they... they, they face mask with combo. Now, do you think that there is ever a dive where it's not Braille? Or I would think so. I, w- I would hope so. Of course, where where they say oh, they under were... the ice is usually a good one, unless you're under the ice in the river, in which case all bets are off. <laughs> yeah, that could be bad. Yeah, that would that's not a fun dive there, and I'm not sure you'd put divers down under the ice in the river. That that would be. I would think you'd have to have a special protocol. To me, if I, if it was something so urgent you needed to get a, a divers in the river, I would think that you would also do multiple holes, and then I would try and string rope between the holes in addition to having divers on lines. 
Well, you're, just, you're definitely talking about communications. You're talking about secure. I, you know, it, it's totally different in the ice on a river. Ice on a pond, totally different than in a river where you got current. Yeah, because even if you got the guy in a rope, you may not be able to get him back to the hole that he went in. You don't know what kind of conditions are down there, uh, what's happened since the ice is flown. You could have snags and strainers and everything. It, it's because current current could be a lot crazier with the ice on. No, I, I don't think you'd be doing ice diving in the river unless there is some really, really, really emergent need that that has to be done. You have to be trying to recover. Uh, it's going to be, you'd like to say recovering a person, but most likely a body by you're able to get in there. But the chance of finding it and knowing exactly where it is, you know, I can see a car going in because you've got a target, got a big hole, the car's going to be pretty close under it. Mm-hmm. But going down to search for something, I don't think so. You'll wait till spring. Well, USA Today had an article, the 10 best scuba diving, scuba diving sites for your first dive. Let's see if any of these make sense. You have Camp, you have John Panel Camp Coral Reef State Park in Key Largo, Florida made the cut. Yeah, I've heard that. They had Casino Point, Catalina Island, California. Heard of that one. Yep, Bonterre Mine. Been there. Uh, they had uh, Bonaire. Uh, they called it Klein Bonaire, but I think anywhere in Bonaire would qualify. Malakini Crater in Maui. Yeah, break, I'd like to bring a leg and go to there, yeah. Now, Crystal River, Florida, which I've... Uh, Mantis. Yeah. Bob has been there and yep. swam with him. Yeah. Um, Channel Island National Park, California. Not familiar with that one. Uh, Sunset Reef, Grand Cayman. You had uh, Kona, Hawaii. And then Dutch Springs in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I've heard of that one. I've I've heard of that one. That's kind of a, that's a giant quarry over there. But that's not, would you really put that in the top 10? That That's kind of a, if I don't, if I can't get to someplace else. Oh. Uh, I just clicked on the link, VetSpring.com. Uh, That's not a huge place, but I'm looking at the parking facilities. Freaking awesome. Yeah, picture. yeah, we've had a few articles about stuff going on there over the years in the show, and it looks nice. It's I think there's, you know, it's a, I call I it. Your, I, I just sent you a picture. VetSpring.com? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the site right now. Oh, okay. Doesn't that look nice? Yeah, but look at the parking. They're jammed. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful conditions. Yeah. But again, I don't know if if you only had 10, like you're picking the 10 places in the world, not just 10 good places, but the 10 places. I'm not sure that that one would be on my list. I mean, they didn't have the Red Sea. You know, they didn't have that. Well, I guess this is for... I, I guess the, the try your first dive. You've got the crater in Utah. I think that's an interesting place. Well, if anybody wants to send us to any of those or all of them for yeah. comparison and analysis, we Certainly. would be more than happy to go. Yeah, we, we, we could try out. You know, actually, better yet, 
if you're a resort operator and you want to nominate yourself for one of the top ten, if you send us an expense pay trip, we'll go down and consider you. Or what is that uh, gentleman who uh, just is going to donate $45 billion? To... Oh, you mean uh, Zuckerberg? Yeah, yeah. He could throw a couple of shekels this way, and we'd be able to do some analysis like this for him. I, I, re- I read an article today, and they guess how much he's he, – because he's at the end, after he's given all the money away, and this is assuming it doesn't get any bigger than what he, he's worth now, the 1% that he'll keep, how much would that be worth today? I figure another billion. Yeah, it was, four, it was like $450 million. Well, he had calculated that, but like you said, he's going to keep the money from the interest that comes up. Right. Yeah. Well, it, he's it, not going to be a pauper. Well, and that's the thing. They have you know Bill Gates and Buffett and all these other people saying that you know we're not going to leave these big dynasties and stuff. But the amount of money, you know, anything really above a hundred million, unless you're just blowing through it as quick as you can, that is a lot of money. Yeah. But again, you're, we're not used to that. Look at what some of these ball players are getting. You know, two hundred ten million for seven year contract. Oh yeah. You're, you're going to get a skewed version of what money is worth because of that. I do know some professional athletes who, at the time they were playing, set records for the amount they earned, and they definitely do spend a little different. In fact, I told my wife, I said, if they invite us on a trip, we can't go. <laughs> you know, unless they're doing, they're paying for everything. I mean, we can't afford the tips at the hotels they'd be staying at. Now, yeah, the restaurant. I, 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 maybe I told the story, but I'll tell it again. My, my wife was there with my son, and she pulled into the parking lot at the health club. And my wife and her were talking. My kid was, was leaning against her car, looking inside. My wife goes, oh, oh, don't, don't touch, scratch the car. It was a Bentley. You know, so it's like the scratch in that car would be $10,000. So there's just uh, – when, when you've got – you know, ridiculous playing around, walking around money. Uh, you just, you, you just buy, see, they seem to be normal people, but yeah, you know, where you would buy a 20 or $30 shirt, you're buying a $300 shirt. Uh, I wouldn't mind trying that style, but well, yeah. like you say, no matter how much you got, you're eventually going to pass on, and what does it all get you? Yeah, Jobs is a good example of that. Well, what it would get me would be a 150-foot yacht, uh, a side-scan sonar with a magnetometer. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't have that on a 150-foot yacht. No, the yacht's just the, the base. You put that at the end of the grid with the, uh, you know, the grill on the back deck. No, that's the one you keep with the wife because she's having a good time on that because it's not rocking and rolling. You got the little thing out there doing your scanning. Yeah, I'm, I may have an underwater drone doing my scanning for me. <laughs> you would. Why? Why are it back to the boat? And we have divers explore under Lake Erie ice, and this has to be kind of a best of. This is from the News Herald, and I can't believe that there's ice already. And this is from a couple weeks ago. Former News Herald, a news. Messenger photographer spent 15 years exploring long-forgotten shipwrecks across all five Great Lakes. And it goes on to talk about 
some of the stuff, but look at the photos in there. And well, if you look at the caption, you can you'll notice somebody that we recognize. Uh huh. Rich. Yeah. So Rich Sinowicz is is the I would call him the action model <laughs> for the for the photographer. So the article is about a photographer, but Rich Sinowicz uh, of Divers Incorporated in the in the podcast Divers Sync is in the photos, and these are some beautiful photos there. I love it when you have the ISO above, and then look at the bottom. I know that they color correct the heck out of these things, but that is beautiful. I could go with any of those. Yeah. And again, if you want to go, you can go up to Duncan Bay and dive the Ginny Land under the ice. No big current up there and a pretty safe dive. Oh. I want to dive a shipwreck under the ice. That, you know, I, I've always said I don't really have a bucket list, but I think that has to be on one. The Ginny Lynn would be just the one for you. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not even picky. Any, even bones. Yeah, shipwreck bones. I just want to dive one, do one in a nice dive. I got. I've got to believe that uh, the rich already knows. I mean, not knows about this, but when if he'll he'll cut in and realize we talked about him on the show again. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, I uh, I don't think he listened to the episode, but I do hear from him from time to time. In fact, I owe him a call. You didn't realize he was in here until you looked at the picture, did you? I, I when I first looked at the article, I I didn't, but then later on I caught it. Uh huh. And then we've got uh, a bottle that they say is nearly as old as Canada, found in Halifax waters. Halifax man has found a beer bottle that still can say contains beer. John Krause was scuba diving in the ocean waters of Nova Scotia's northwest arm during a rainstorm. The collector of undersea objects shoved his arm into the sill at the floor of the ocean. His hand hit a bottle. At first, he didn't think anything of it or that it was anything special. I've been looking for bottles since I started diving. I found quite a few vintage bottles. The bottle he found uh, meets that description. The marking of the bottle traces the origins of the company imported bottles from Canada to England between 1872 and 1890. The link on the uh, ink on the preserved court is visible through the glass mouth of the bottle, which reads A. Keith's Brewers. The Alexander Keith's Brewery opened in Halifax in the 1820s is one of the oldest commercial breweries in North America. The most amazing aspect of uh, the more than 120-year-old bottle is what's inside a bubbly liquid that could be beer. I never expected to find a bottle of Keith's, if that's what it was, he said. I hope it is. Will he drink it? No. He says it's going to go in the toilet, indirectly. He'll leave the bottle sitting on the top of the toilet tank, he explained. The frequent circulation of fresh water will eventually draw out all the salt that's in the cork. After about four months, I'll take the bottle, stand it upright, take some uh, linseed oil and place a couple drops on top. The water, As the water dries out, it will replace be replaced by the linseed oil and will hopefully preserve the cork, he said. After having the cork preserved, hopefully over the span of a couple of years, the beer inside will, will evaporate naturally. Within a few years, they'll be fully preserved without the liquid inside. 
Does that make sense for conservation? Uh, not sure about conservation, but the cork thing is something I would do. I don't know how that's going to evaporate because if the cork is doing a good job and then it's been impregnated with the, the oil to help make a better seal, I don't think the bottle is going to evaporate out. Now, I would think you would probably want to do a syringe trick and and pull it out if you're that if if your goal was to get the beer out of there. I, I oh, well, he wants to preserve that cork, and that's what I'd want to do too. Did you let you look at the comments after it? 189 comments? No. Some of those are fun. <laughs> I think the one I like is that's how I hope they find me in 100 years. The beer is still inside. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way. If you do it just right. It's a give it a rest already and get a sense of haha. The 120 year old relic would, with what is likely the skunkiest beer you would ever want to drink. No one to the right mind would drink it. Well, cause even if you assume that stayed at refrigerator temperature for 150 years, beer would have, would not it would not be anything worth drinking. Well, the comment that applies to all of us grubbers, he's a brave man to shove his arms into the silt at the bottom of the Northwest Dam arm. I hope he's had all his, his all of his inoculations, and that applies for us too. Yeah, because you can. It's not always nice intact bottles you find. Well, I promise to deny what they found tonight. Looking forward to taking a peek at that. How how about this for a hotel? Uh, Designer receives patent for submerged luxury hotels. The Planet Ocean Underwater Hotel, a idea concept uh, extreme Travel Advocates Managing Director of Planet Ocean Underwater Hotel Tony Webb has just received the U.S. patent for his innovative design for just $3 million. Webb says he constructs a single underwater guest room with an elevator and support vessel while visitors will sleep 30 feet below the water in the ocean. The patent has a functional uh, the patent design is functional space of 18 feet by 12 feet. Each room will be complete with a king bed, refrigerator, living room with an entertainment space and a bathroom. Under like other under like unlike other famous underwater hotel, no scuba gear certification required of guests making it more accessible. And then I have another article which I I thought this one would cover it, but they don't say anything, is that this same design they've uh, applied for permit for moorings, but I want to say it wasn't in the U.S. So it was going to be uh, in like France or someplace. Well, I looked at the article or the item here. It says a 12-room underwater hotel is priced at 20 million. All right. So, how much you got to charge for a room? We said the uh, aquapods are going to be an affordable nightly rates at three thousand to six thousand dollars. Yeah, affordable for who? Oh, those, that's right, those players we talked about a while ago. Got yeah, yeah the, ones, the ones who drive Bentleys and really don't worry about stuff. And I don't think they're really going to pay that much in a room underwater. They could have a really good suite at Las Vegas, and I think I'd rather go there. Yeah, the problem I think they're going to have is, uh, is just the ability to uh, keep it full. 
Now, where this might go is if you had a resort, and that was maybe one of the perks, you know, like a casino, and yeah, if you if you don't can't fill it, then yeah, we're we're not going to go into this, but I went down on this article, the page we're looking at. I was looking at some more items. Mm-hmm. Japan investigating mystery boats carrying dead bodies off a coast. <laughs> Worms devour fishermen's buried life savings. <laughs> oh, geez. We're not going to go into those, but we should lick those up later. Yeah, maybe we need to do a conspiracy theory episode or it's just nothing but wackiness. Well, that youngest billionaires in the world. Yeah. Well, that gets us through scuba in the news. And let's see. So let's go back to when you were in Florida, did you get any diving in? I I didn't dive. I went snorkeling. Mm -hmm. There's a place called uh, Shark Beach, Shark Tooth Beach off the... God, I can't even remember where that was at now. Venice? Yeah, Venice. And uh, so I did go out there. I did find some tea. But... uh, and I was just with a shorty on and a hood because I'm I'm a wimp from the north. No fins, just snorkeling and stuff. It was it was fun. But afterwards I'm going up a couple of miles up north of where I was diving off a large fishing pier that you can see the bottom from all the way out. And I'm watching them catch fish and said, You guys ever catch any sharks? He said, Oh yeah. A little south of us where I was diving. There's quite a few hammerheads over there. <laughs> and, I, and I said, oh, yeah, what size? He said, well, the last one we picked up here was eight foot. Yeah, that's, that's big enough. So I, I think of this guy in a black top, like me, skinny white legs and arms, flailing about in the surf, looking like a deranged porpoise or something, like dinner to a hammerhead. I'm yeah. just sad I didn't realize. I mean, I know shark teeth come from sharks, but. <laughs> well, you know, I think they're just looking. They go, if you if you dip the white parts in butter, it's uh, pretty tasty. Yeah, it tastes like chicken. <laughs> and then the Mud Club did its annual turkey dive. That happened uh, that Saturday after Thanksgiving. And did you see the photos? Yes, very nice turnout and very nice photos. Thank you. I I spent I was going to dive and I just wasn't feeling into it. I you know, I can't say I was really sick, but I just was kind of blah. And I thought, you know, I'll just take the chance to play the camera and get some shots, be some shore support. And we had a pretty good. Uh, uh, Jim Scarlett was shore support. We had uh, Lucy, and then there was another was yeah. it Ted? Ted, I think. Ted oh yes, was. Ted, yeah, yeah. Ted was also sure support. And then we had the wetsuit divers out numbered the dry suits. There was just Ken and Larry in dry suits, and everybody else was in a wetsuit. Yeah. Mary Beth and uh, Jake. Uh, let's see, who else? There and was Andy. Andy. I think of Andy's girlfriend at this time. Oh, I want to say Sarah, but that's not it, is it? No, no. Sarah wasn't there. No. See, John was dry or wet. Yep, yeah, John went wet. Uh, but again, air temperature was 32. Mm-hmm. Water temperature was 44. I think it was colder than that today, though. Yeah, they, there was a little bit of disagreement. Some were saying 40, some were saying 42, some said 44. And then Viz looked pretty good. I could see the divers, no matter how deep they were from the shore. Yep. 
the whole time. So it, I would say they had to have five feet, six feet. Yeah. But if you look at the picture where you're sitting on the pipe, mm-hmm. a lot of that pipe is not there, visible today. Oh, the the, the level pit back up? Well, yeah, the river's up and the current's uh, pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, somebody was telling me that the, there are cannonballs that were have been found by the bridge. Have you heard that? That is the second report I've heard. I heard the first one many years ago, and the guy tried to tell me where. <laughs> Up, and they're not metal, the ones the first guy was telling me about. Yeah. So this Correct. was, uh, somebody was, uh, I think it was Jake was talking to the construction guys. And as they were clamshelling and pulling stuff out, they had come across a few cannonballs. But if that were true, I would have seen that in the news, and I would see it at the uh, at the museum up there. You would think so. That, that's too darn close to the uh, archaeological dig for them not to have a vested interest. My thought is, were they? I mean, I I I kind of believe that cannonballs are possible, but my thought is that any cannonballs you would find there would have been an old memorial that got vandalized and thrown in the water. That's what I would have thought also. Yeah, you you have a VFW, you have the, you know, celebrating veterans of whatever, Civil War, World War I, 1812, and you've got a cannon and a stack of cannonballs, and, you know, some kids get together and heft the 120-pound ball into the water. Because you know St. Joe's got the cannonballs, but those are all welded together. Well, the new ones are not even metal. They're plastic. Oh, you mean new cannonballs? Oh, yeah. The ones up there by the Nolgren. As I recollect, those are not steel anymore. Oh, so they must have gotten rid of the steel ones? Yeah, it's been years now. Well, I can remember knocking on them thinking they were steel, but maybe they... Huh. That's interesting. Props. And then uh, we had a Thursday Thursday dive earlier today. Yep. And how did that go? Did you go on that one? Yes. Yep. Uh, like I said, current's much faster. Visibility was good, even in the dark, which was really odd. I didn't use my flashlight, and I could still see. And every time you come up, since your eyes were it was dark where you at, went back down, your eyes didn't have to acclimate very much. Nice. And again, we do have some pictures. Yeah, I'm just I'm just getting in there right now. You know, it's similar current, if I had to guess. There were some people who were having problems fighting the current around the pipe on Saturday. Uh, well, I went across, and it's one of those experiences good, but sometimes my brain forgets to tell my body it can't do stuff. Yeah. And that I shouldn't be doing something I'm doing. Yeah. I, I, the experience that you have, because you are that old, gets you out of the the issue of the bad decision you made. <laughs> <clears throat> you get to use a little bit of that wiliness. Yeah, the, I that was another reason I didn't dive Saturday. I wasn't too I just dove that spot before and I didn't want to the only spot I was interested in was the other side of the river and I didn't want to bite it 
I know I'm not in good enough condition to heft over there. Yeah, it was a chore going over and coming back. Yeah, and then the next day, some hardcore divers went back and did uh, Miramont. Yep. So they were back in the water. Uh, not a lot of finds I'm seeing. I mean, people are getting some stuff, but not. Well, because if we're going down at, at, at you know, we get in and it's dark at 4.30 and you've got a limited amount of, of visibility, even though you do have some. So it's not as easy as at high noon when you got some sunlight. Yeah. A lot more shadows. And more. Well, and I think that we've uh, started to cherry pick the good ones, even though these are, there's some nice, there's a couple nice milks. Well, this is surface stuff, too. Now, you saw the material that uh, Sarah got last week, right? The train, the glass train. Yeah. And the telephone. That was right on the surface. Makes no sense when you can find some of that right on the surface. Well, I've, I've, that's where I've had some of my best luck is in the, is in the shallower stuff. Cause it, that Coke bottle does not have the, the Christmas Coke. Mm-hmm. does not have any swirl marks on it. It's just like you got it out of a machine. Very, very. Really? Yeah, she brought them over, so we eyeballed them and drooled on them a little bit. Wow. So the so there's like no sand wear marks or anything. Oh, that Christmas coat is nice. Is there any? Can you still see the silk screen? I'm, it's no, there, there is no silk screen. It's embossed. Okay. 1923. Okay, so it is. It's that old then. Yeah, it's Christmas coat. Yeah. There's a couple of vintage years that call Christmas Coke, but that's one of them. And there's no swirl marks. It's it's very, very nice. No chips, nicks, or anything. Excellent. Well, good. And then uh, are there any plans for this weekend? Anybody going diving, you know? There's, I think, Jim is planning on Sunday. I was going to do the what I thought was an ice, um, a dry suit dive, Sasser's group. Uh-huh. But I was told why I was out tonight was uh, that was an after evening lunch thing or dinner thing. They're going to go out to eat as opposed to oh suit. So that's what they meant by dry suit diving. Ain't going to be diving. They're going to be eating. Yeah, they uh, Sass has been a few of those. When they get later in the season, yes, they just call it diving. Again, kind of like how some people call you know bowling and then they go to the bar. <laughs> oh, dry suit, dry suit dive is it? Yeah. Well, you're going to if you want to. You're not going to get wet. Yeah, you're going to be dry either way. Well, depending on how much you drink. Okay. Let's see. What do we do? We have any events coming up? We're we're getting close to the holidays. Well, the turkey dive was the last big club event. The next one for us is going to be the uh, mud club New Year's gathering and new year's dive mm-hmm. and uh, i'll be hosting that at my house okay and depending on the weather we will either be at the uh Ropu basin and the river yeah. or we'll be at singer lake excellent And I just assume have cold water as opposed to ice <laughs> this year. I think I think it's going to be 
I don't know. I, I, some aspects I think we're going to have a strong winter, but I don't think we're going to get – I don't think we're going to have a lot of ice. I think we're going to get a lot of snow. Well, it's going to have to get cold and freeze really quick for duration if we're going to have ice by New Year's. Yeah, I do an ice dive. Yeah, I don't think we will. I hope we don't. I want to have another one of those Februarys where it's in the 40s and 50s. That was like two years ago? Yeah. I mean, we got a heck of a lot of diving in that. We did, as you think about it. I was kind of bummed because I wanted to get some ice dives in, but I think we played around the river a lot that year. Yes, we did. Well, Jim was talking about, you know, people stopping there and saying, what do you mean, you guys are diving? And he said he went through the seasons. He says, like, well, we start, you know, April, May. We start because the, the, the inland lakes have just unfroze. So we start the inland lakes. Mm-hmm. Come around June to August, it's Big Lake and shipwrecks. Into September, we start doing the river until it gets too cold for that and ice is over. Then we start the ice dives from anywhere from late December, January and February to March, maybe. Then we cut back into ice is going away on the lakes. We start back on the end of the lakes. Yeah. So it's like you're diving all year round. And that doesn't even factor in the trips and excursions that people do. Yes. So you can dive all the time. Nothing to stop you. There's people out there diving every weekend. Yeah, I think that's a club motto, isn't it? Yes, I think that is a club motto. Oh, and did you notice that I did, uh, there was a, people who visit the site didn't notice, which is mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. But uh, I did have to do a little repair to the back end. I'm not quite sure what was can going I, on. Can I access again? Because I yeah. still could not, I, I haven't tried since I got back. Yeah, you should be able to access it again. If you could update, you know, change your password when you get in there. Okay, because I'm I'm about a month and a half behind on catching this up even. Yeah, well, I've I posted the turkey dive, so you don't have to worry about that one. Yeah, I was told that. Yeah, but uh, I didn't get anything else in there. Uh, yeah, I just I just logged in right right now, and I'm able to get in. Okay, I will give that a try. And if I have problems, I'll let you know again. Okay. And then we've got our website, which is not as current as the Mug Club site, scubaobsessed.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash scubaobsessed, and there's been quite a bit of activity on there, people going and accessing the, the Facebook page. We're on Twitter, at scubaobsessed, and I try to post. I keep, I keep the post light but interesting, so you get some scuba in your news feed. Yeah, did you change the format? I just went to the club site, and that's... yes. Okay, I, I see that. So that was deliberate, not a sudden, whoops. No, that was deliberate. Uh, yeah, and, and what Max talking about, and I didn't do anything fancy. I just did this because I had to do some repairs. So while I was at it, I uh, reinstalled the site and then put a new skin on it. Now, the, the Mud Club site is now responsive, meaning that uh, no matter what device you, you visit it on, you're able to view it. So tablets or phones... It's now friendly. There, we used to have an alternate view, which is how we used to do mobile websites. And, you know, cobbler's kid has no shoes. I couldn't get back to it. And so as I was doing the repair, uh, I'd like to change the heading. I think I may uh, do something. I can add, uh, we can have headings that rotate. So 
I may do something where we take some photos that are really long and wide panoramics and then put our logo over them and just have it rotate out. But we'll see. Uh, this this was just a quick and dirty, so maybe we'll get together the mud club and just see what the members want. Yeah, because I just went to the post categories of newsletters and I get out 2011. Oh, no, you and, should get them all. No, I didn't. I went to the left where it says post, and I went to the top one and hit newsletter and it gives me the... Oh, yeah, just ignore oh, that. Yeah, the, the, because what you're doing there is that's a filter. Uh, right. I'll have to, I'd have to research and see what's going on there. Mouse over in the top menu, club newsletters. Yeah, that's the one I just went to now. I got an update for the November, and I need to post to December about the party. Yeah, yeah. The the ones on the left are categories of posts. Uh, that's in the side menu, and I may just take that out. But it's at the top menu is what you want. We have about we have we talk about our membership, uh, event calendars. Uh, we've got treasures. Now I didn't add any photos to the treasures. No, that's, where I, that's the kind of stuff I need to update. Okay, and then we'd like to thank WRVO Radio, Radio Reno Viola Outdoors.com for putting us on the air for another year on his streaming radio program. So if you like fishing, hunting, the great outdoors, you can listen to us and other shows. Let's see. I think that means we are at this that time of the show. Okay. So let's see. I just had the notes up. I lost it. Okay. This this we'll see. I, I I've got some backup ones. Uh, this one was for last week, but since we didn't do it, then uh, we'll go. This isn't this is an honor of uh, people in North America who may have had Thanksgiving last week. Jolene was only eight years old and lived with her family in the country when, with her parents and brother. Consequently, they didn't often have visitors from the city. One day, Jolene's mother said her father was bringing two guests home for Thanksgiving dinner. After they had enjoyed turkey, Jolene went to the kitchen to help her mother and proudly brought in the first plate of pumpkin pie, gave it to her father. He then passed the plate to a guest. When Jolene came with a second plate, gave it to his father, he again passed it to a guest. This was a little too much for little Jolene, who, who blurted out, it's no use, Daddy. The pieces are all the same size. I guess that one didn't, didn't quite get it. <laughs> <laughs> There's the good ones and the good bad ones. <laughs> that didn't make either. <laughs> uh, okay, here's, here's another one. The Smiths were proud of their family tradition. Their ancestors had traveled from America with the Pilgrims' fathers on the Mayflower. They included congressmen, successful entrepreneurs, famous sports people, and television stars. They decided to research and write a family history, something for their children and grandchildren. They found out they, they found a, a specialist genealogy and a writer to help them. Well, only one problem arose: how to handle Great Uncle Johnson Smith, who was executed in electric chair. The writer said she could handle the story tactfully. When the book appeared, the section about the Jefferson about Jefferson read, "Great Uncle Jefferson Taylor occupied a chair of applied electronics and at an important government institution. He was attached to his position by the strong ties, and his death came as a great shock." <laughs> uh, 
Must have been a politician. <laughs> well, they had some of those in the family. Well, enough wordsmithing, you can make anything sound good. I'd just be interested in the truth and nothing but the truth. <laughs> it, 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 what was it, what did I say? You can't handle the truth? Wasn't that, <laughs> was, a, that was a movie? Yep. yep. Tom Cruise. You can't handle it. So on that note, go out there and get wet. And stay safe.